0: knows your name amen I'm thankful for that before we open up our Bible this morning I want to just a couple of things first of all I want to say all of you that came out last night we had a great time we had almost 90 folk there had a great turnout and I know some of you weren't able to be there you missed it we had a great time appreciate all of you that came out and uh, we had some awful good chili and I had some awful good just fellowship and fun and so I appreciate all of you coming out for that. Then also, I want to just say, just put another plug in there for Sunday school. I don't know about you, but I told Brother Nate, conviction ain't supposed to be thick like that in Sunday school. But, uh, man, he, uh, talking about our faith, it's watched faith. And I thought, dear Lord, help us and every man, every person in this room He played a video of his son saying, I did that just like you. And I'm going to be honest with you, I couldn't get past that. You know what's convicting? I wonder if it'd be safe for him to, for our children to say, I did that just like you. And by the way, I'm not talking about hitting a ball or shooting a basketball or Shooting a gun, whatever, those things. I get it. Those are those are special things, but they're not the most important things. I wonder if he prays just like daddy. I wonder if he uh, loves like daddy should love. Because you know, gentlemen, I want you to know they're watching you. And we take great pride when they shoot a basketball like us or they shoot a gun like us or they might even throw a spin cast reel like us. But I'll tell you what should encourage us more is when they show Christian attributes. And boy, I'll tell you what, at the age that I'm at now, I go back through a life of a lot of things I could do better. And that's why. Many of you have children at home. I texted my daughter this morning. Told her I loved her, appreciated her. Here's what I said I said, You and Josh enjoy the Lord's Day together. You ought to enjoy every Lord's Day together, all of them are special. I hope you're not missing living. We get so busy with everything, and I think we miss the great blessings in life. So, now look, I'm doing this for me, not so much you. I'm trying not to cry here and get emotional, so I'm going to tell you all something funny. Is that okay? The other night, I shared this on Wednesday. And by the way, Daniel helped me, man. I mean, Daniel helped me. Daniel O'Mary helped me. I don't get on Facebook very often, but, man, I got on Facebook the other day, and, and uh, you know, Miss Kelsey, I mean, and I know him, so I'm sitting here, and Miss Kelsey puts, she puts this, have any of y'all ever had a God moment? And, you know, people start putting their God moments. And, like, the second one, man, old Daniel said, you. And I went, cha-ching. I said, that old boy, brownie points. (laughs) And then, y'all don't mind me sharing, then as I told them that last night, what got me tickled is Kelsey. She said, I had to text him later saying, are you being sarcastic? (laughs) And I could have already answered that, Kelsey. No, he wasn't being sarcastic. And so, I loved that. That made me laugh. But here's the other thing that made me laugh. Now, the other day, someone late at night broke into our cars. And they raffled through all of our stuff. Well, my wife has a key in the thing there. Well, they didn't take anything because I don't keep anything in my truck. All I have is gospel tracts and Bibles. And, of course, they didn't take that. (laughs) They had that strewn all over my seats. But they took that key out of Laura's little thing. And so we seen him on the camera. It was about 2.30 in the morning. So I knew that was on my wife's mind. She's like, Mark, they think that key opens up something to the house. And the most... The most reasonable thing would be the back door because it's a sliding back door. But I just want everybody to know that's listening online, our house has cameras plus it's protected by the meanest Dalmatian you've ever met. And I have more guns and bullets and slugs than you can shake a stick at. And I'm a light sleeper. Just throwing that out there for good reason. And so... uh, the other day I got to playing with the kids and we had to go to the hospital to go see Brother Les and we wanted to go check on him and have prayer with him before he goes to the thing. And so anyway, I, you know, time slips up when you don't really know what time it is. All we know is we went to the hospital and was there for a good little while. Well, Clay and the children were home. But before we left, I played with the children. I, I was playing with the grandchildren. Now I want you all to know, I took a tie and I like playing Miyagi. I'm Mr. Miyagi. And I took that tie and I tied it around my head and, it, and I was doing the karate moves with him and we were fighting and we were playing and I mean, we were having a ball. My grandson loves to fight with me and I love body slamming him on the bed. We was having a ball. Well, for some reason, some, the dog did something. He probably tore something up of Laura's. Well, I went outside to check on the dog or doing something and I had forgot that I'd done that. So I went on and we went to the hospital. When we got home, Laura was like, Mark! She's like somebody was trying to break in the house. And I went, what? So the same thing she had on her mind, I had on my mind. I said, they got that key, thought they were coming in the back door. So sure enough, that camera, you know, they're not the greatest superior, you know, camera. But there was this real skinny young guy with long hair come walking out the door. And I was like, oh my goodness, someone's broke into the house. Well then it was like a few minutes later, I didn't look at it real good and it was like, Mark! She said there was two of them! So then I looked and here was an older man that was coming this way and this man looked like, hey, the young guy said the coast is clear, we can get in the house and he was coming in to help him. So I immediately, I got to thinking what was in my truck? So I went back there and I said, Clay, I don't want to alarm you but someone tried to break an house. I said, have you been here all evening? He said, yes Dad. So I Clay came down there, and we went downstairs because we didn't want to alarm the children. So Clay started looking at that camera, looking at that picture, and Laura, it was fun. Well, I went up to check the doors, check my truck to make sure. So when I come back, she was like, he was like, Mark. And I was like, what? She said, it's you. I went, what? That Clay says, Dad, it was you. You had that stupid tie around your head. It looked like you had long hair. <laughs> so me and the kids were sitting there eating supper the other day. And Cora wants to, I said, hey, Cora, why don't you play checkers with me? And she's like, well, I do beat daddy. And I, I said, well, they're novices. I said, play me. I'm the king of checkers. And Clay said, yes, Cora. I said, honey, Papa is so smart, he couldn't even recognize himself on the video. Smart, ellic children, amen? Now oh, that was for me. Would you open your precious Bible to the book of Hebrews? I'm ready to go now, amen? Hebrews chapter number 4, would you? Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And We're going to uh, start right off where we left off last week. I want to preach this morning on the Word of God as a sword. The Word of God as a sword. The Word of God as a sword. Now, we started this series last week, and... I will say I'm going to suspend this series throughout the month of February. And we're going to get right back into it in the book of, in the month of March. But I wanted to deal with this subject this morning and try to finish out the word of God as a sword. Now as the Lord leads after uh, the home improvement month, and I'm not so sure that I won't maybe work, use one of these in home improvement. I'm not sure. But I don't even know which one I want to preach next. But as I shared with you on last Sunday the Word of God uh, has been likened to symbols, to, to visual symbols, and all of us understand what these symbols mean. The Bible is likened to a sword, and that's what we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 4. And we know that the Word of God has been likened to a hammer. So I'm going to bring some thoughts on the Word of God that has a hammer. We know that it's been likened to water we know that it's been likened to fire we know that it's been likened unto a lamp or light we know it's been likened as unto a mirror we know that the word of god has been likened up likened to as food for nourishment we know that the word of god has been likened unto seed now these are eight visuals that all of us understand that uh, importance of that word visual, of that, of that visual. We would say an object lesson. We all know what a sword is. We all know what fire is. We all know what seed does. We all know what a mirror is used for. And there's nothing that God has ever attributed to all of these symbols as he has likened unto the word of God. So I, I, I want to just say that as, as the pastor of this church and understanding what should be preeminent here in this church Well, by the way, I'm for every ministry, I'm for every work, I'm for every bit of sweat and labor that's put into this place, but to be fair, everything should involve and revolve around the primacy of God's Word. Everything. We don't have a ministry here if we don't have God's Word. We can have daycare all day long, but if we have daycare without the Word of God, we don't have a ministry. Because we don't have the tool, we don't have a sword, we don't have light, we don't have food, we don't have water unless we have this. And so I'm very thankful that we are a church that believes in the primacy of God's word. I want to say to all of you here many years ago, and I hope all of you will listen. Many years ago, because of the attack on the word of God, and there were certain things that our country did to decree that we as Christians we wholeheartedly disagree with. But because of that, we had to set up some things in our church to make our church safe. So many years ago, uh, we, we all met, the deacons and I, we met and we had to redo uh, our church uh, uh, constitution. We had to do our bylaws. Why? Because things change and we had to be safe. Now, one of the, one of the things that, that the CLA recommended to us is all of our facilities here, all of our facilities are ministry facilities. Now, we had to put some things in place for these buildings. Why? Because we understand that our ministry here, by the way, I, we're, we're not, we're not, we're, we're, in this, we're in this community, but the importance of this ministry and this church and this community is because of this. So when we have. Uh, things over here in the gym it is in our bylaws that the word of God is what is being prevalent there that's why we've had years ago to shut down us opening up our gym to be able to be used for any of the outside activities that somewhere else someone might say would be, hey, that's the community's activities. Now, we allow birthday parties there, and and this is for our ministry. This is for our members of our church. You say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because it's a new year, and we need to tighten up on things. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. If this ain't involved in something, we ain't doing it right. If this isn't involved in it, we're not doing it right. Every Sunday school has to have this in it. Every ministry that we do in this church has to have this in it. Every activity we have over in the church, this has to be in it. Now, you say, why? Because of what God has attributed to the word of God. It is a sword. Let's look at it in Hebrews chapter number four and let's begin reading with verse number 11. Notice what the Bible says. Let us labor therefore to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I want you to think about that. Think about the description of the Word of God. God likens it unto a sword. And not just any sword, it is a double-edged sword. In other words, everywhere you touch this book, it's sharp. There's nothing blunt about the Word of God. It's double-edged. So I want to look at a few things here this morning. What can we pull out from this passage of Scripture? And by the way, if you wasn't able to hear the Sunday night message, you can listen to that. And we tried to preach something a little different about the sword of the Spirit on last Sunday night. But this message is a continuation of the Sunday morning message. So I want you to notice when we talk about the Word of God as a sword, what does these principles teach us? Number one, God gives us a heavenly view of our hearts. God gives us a heavenly view of our hearts. Now you've you've heard about a bird eyes view. Well, you get a bird eyes view. And by the way, a bird's eye view is good, but how about this? How about a heavenly view? How about we need a God's eye view? You say, Pastor, how can I look at things like God looks at them? Look at me here, right here. Now, some people, uh, they, uh, they look at the world, they look at politics, they look at uh, uh, whatever, the, the earth. See, here's what we believe. We believe the earth is going to be remade now listen to me i am a conservationist there's a difference between being a conservationist and someone that is a, a, is a naturalist or someone that has a view of the world by the way i think we ought to take care of this country we ought to take care of this planet but here's the thing people that don't believe and have a bible view they think we're going to live here forever By the way, if I have a Bible view and I know what God's Word teaches about the earth, then I know some of the things that's told to us is not true. Not because I'm smarter. It's because I want to have a God's eye view of the life and the world and the country that I'm living in. So I have to hear things and I have to judge them, not based on my intelligence, but I base everything. Now what does God say about that? So see, as Christians, we have to live with a God's eye view. We're not living with a a view that, well, that's what so and so said and so therefore I believe it. No, we should take everything we hear and we ought to apply it to Scripture and say, listen, Let every man be a liar and God be true. See, we have a world's eye view or we have a godly, a biblical worldview. By the way, those two things are so separated, there's not even hardly any common denominators. So when we talk about having a biblical worldview of our country, our nation, Our history, our future, listen to me. Knowing what the Word of God teaches gives us a godly world view. It's necessary today. A God's eye view. So the Bible tells us that the Word of God, it points out and gives us a view like God wants us to have the view. Not the way Mark Brandon thinks. Because anytime Mark Brandon thinks something and it is contrary to Scripture, listen to me now, I'm always wrong and he's always right. Always. He's God. He's revealed a view that he has and his view should be most important to us. And so what else does he do here? We see in verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of heart. Now that is deep. And we could spend a lot of time studying this. But here God is telling us that his word can penetrate deep inside our hearts. And listen to me. He cuts deep. Deep. Cuts deep. Now, I know y'all know this. I said it last week. But Brother Leston's in the hospital, had successful surgery. Y'all know why? Because he had a scan that could see things that the normal eye couldn't see. He went for something that was not life threatening and when he had a scan they found something life threatening. So because there was a scan that got a deep view a deep view a deep view his life was saved because of the technology of an MRI or a scan or an ultrasound and we all use those to deep to look at things that we normally couldn't see. Look at me. That's exactly what the word of God does. It goes deep. It shows us things that we would never know if we did not know the Word of God. And that's exactly what God's Word does. It cuts deep. I'm going to be honest. Gentlemen, I'm going to be honest. I couldn't get anything past. My mind was on that little video of what he put. I couldn't get past that in Sunday school. I'm going to be honest. I was so convicted by that. I thought every man in this room, it felt like me, heard that truth and know that there's people watching us, especially our children. I said, dear God, it ought to bring every one of us men down to our knees and say, God help us. God help us. These little boys are running around here and they're looking up to their daddies for leadership and they're looking up to their daddies. And man, the daddies are the hero. But I wonder, are we being the spiritual model that we should be? What well, gives us that desire to do it? Well, I'm going to be honest, if, this, if the desire's there is because the word of God's cut you there and he's motivated you and quickens you there and he said, look, you need to think about this and it changes our actions. I'm telling you, the word of God is deep. So we understand the word of God is deep. Spurgeon said this, you cannot come near the gospel without it having a measure of influence over you. And God blessing you, it may cut down and kill your sins when you have no idea that such a work is being done. The word of God is so sharp that you may be bleeding under the flesh before you even realize you've been struck. That's sharp. It's convicting. God's word are so sharp they cut us deep with the truth and the truth condemns us or condones us. It either condemns what we're doing or it's condoning what we're doing. It's either condoning what we're thinking or condemning what we're thinking. See, the word of God, man, the Bible says it's a discerner. It's a critique. It judges us. And sometimes we just don't like how it judges us. Can I say, but without God's word, to be honest with you, we, we can't even tell right from wrong. Without God's word, we can't, We can't discern right from wrong. My goodness, we live in a society today that everything that was godless uh, 30, 40, 60 years ago, it's just a lifestyle now. Who tells us that's wrong? Why are we always up in the air harping on something and say, hey, you need to be warned by that. You need to be careful about that. You need to be careful to have a God's view of that. Why? Because man, the world's good. Man, that old devil, he's crafty. See, that's why ungodly people have worked so hard to ridicule the Bible and to remove it from public life. Can I say this? I know history. I know our founding fathers was not scared of the Bible. Do you know that one time in our congress before they would even open up session they'd have a preacher come in and read something from the word of God and have prayer and they were not. So now here's what we're told. I tell you right now you better keep that religion out of the state. Well listen to me. I agree and I understand that because that is one of the things we believe but I'm going to tell you why that was not for the religion to keep out of, out of, the, out of the government. It was for government to keep their cotton picking nose out of religion. If we know history and we have a God's eye view and we read the Constitution, we know that the men that founded our country was not scared of the Bible. Boy, that's all been turned today. Why? Because I'm going to be honest with you, people just don't want to be under the Word of God. So they ridicule it and they get out from under. You wonder, you say, well, why did evolution get started? I'm going to tell you why evolution got started. Because we've never wanted to be accountable to a God. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just start something up where God didn't create us. Why? Because the word of God's that quick. It's that powerful. So what do we do? We try to get rid of it. But I want you to know, it gives you a view that God has. It's a God's view. This book gives us a view that only God can give us. Number two, here's another beautiful thing about this sword. It also gives spiritual birth to our souls. Now look at verse 12. Look at that word quick. You know what that word means? Living. It's alive. It's quick. It means it's alive. It's living. It's not a dead book. Now, when we see this truth, it tells us that the Word of God is quick or it's living or it's alive. The Bible is not like any other book. It's alive. It's spiritually alive. The Word of God is a living thing and has the power to give us spiritual life. Look, I love to read biographies. I read a lot of them. I read a lot of books. Now I'm not a big fiction guy. I don't read much fiction, to be honest. I don't know if I've ever read a fiction book. Now, some people like fiction, and I think it's great. I just think it's good if people will read today. (laughs) But you read what you like. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I have some great books. Brother Daniel just recommended a book to me about the Civil War. I do not have it. I have a lot of good books in my office on the Civil War, World War II, all through history. But listen to me. I've never read those books, and I'm going to be honest, that I've ever been given spiritual life by reading that book. But I'm going to tell you right now, many times I read this book, and I'm going to tell you right now, it gives me spiritual life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Do you know the only word you'll hear that can give you real spiritual life is the Bible? It gives you spiritual life. It makes you alive. It makes you uh, which are dead in trespasses and sin. But when we believe and hear, we read and hear the gospel, and we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, He quickens us. He makes us spiritually alive when we were spiritually dead. It's an amazing thing. When God saves me, I was an old nasty sinner. By the way, still am. But I'm thankful that He made me alive. He quickened my spirit. He saved me from my old sin. Made me alive. This is the only book, the only words that can give us spiritual life. God's word can bring spiritual birth to you. 1 Peter 1.23 says this, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. What a book. Gives spiritual life. How many of y'all know you've you've been made alive? How many of you know that you was dead in your trespasses and sins? But praise God, one day you either read the word of God or someone was heralding the word of God and the word of God started to convict your heart and the Holy Spirit of God started to convict your heart and by faith you trusted Jesus as your Savior. You know when that happened, he gave you life. Eternal. Spiritual life. See, most people are just afraid of physical death. We're scared to death of physical death. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, look at 2020. There was a fear that rocked this country like I've never seen. And I sit and think about these dear precious people that are in these Chinese and in these Vietnamese countries and they're in communist. Listen to me. They hazard their de- Listen to me. They hazard their life every time they walk through those doors. I didn't get a whole lot of amens there, but it's true. And I'm going to tell you something right now. This book gives us spiritual life. You say, Pastor, how do we not get overcome with fear? This book right here. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm going to tell you something. Here's something. Write this down. And to wish to God we'd all live by it. The fear of God... Will help us. If we will have the right fear of God, it puts all the other fears in its place. If we truly have a fear of God, it puts all other fears in its place. All lesser fears become lesser fears. Because here's the thing the Bible tells me that I'm going to give an account to one. You're going to give an account to one. You're going to give an account to one. Listen to me now. That's going to be a sobering day. See, we, we can hide in crowds. I can hide. You can hide. And by the way, let me just say this. If you've done wrong, just make it right. Start doing right. But what I'm saying is, we're going to give an account to one. So, look, I, listen, I love y'all, and I, I want to be faithful to you. And, I, look, I've failed, but I want to be faithful to to disperse the word of God like it should be and someone says oh you know are you scared of your church and I'm I'm, I'm, going to say to you no I'm not I'm not scared of you I respect you and I love you but I want you to know something at the end of the day I'm not going to give an account to you I'm going to give an account to him and by the way that goes with you you say pastor why should you know what's going on in life why should you have a God's view because I'm going to be honest with you you're going to give an account to one too. Where do I get that? The Bible tells me that. I'm going to give an account to one. So look, here it is. It gives us spiritual life. How many of you glad you saved it this morning? Then can I say this real quick now? The third thing, it can give you a clear view of Jesus. I love this. Would you look at verse fourteen? Verse 12 tells us about the powerful of the word of God. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Boy, this is beautiful. You know why? Because here the Bible reveals to us who Jesus is and what he's like. God gives us a great view of Jesus Christ. The Bible can help us see Jesus Christ like nothing else. The Bible can help us to really see Jesus. Verse 14, we see that he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He came down from heaven for what? He came to die on the cross to bleed and to pay for our sins. That's beautiful love. I'm glad that that's been revealed to me. And by the way, I was at enmity with him. But yet, although I was the one guilty, the great, wonderful, holy Son of God came to this Earth and bled and died for me. That's beautiful to know. Y'all ever hear them good stories when you finally realize, hey, that might not been such a bad guy after all. God's revealing to me, hey, I want you to know my son is beautiful, he's wonderful. He came, he is the Son of God, but he came there for you, Mark. That's revealing. He's the holy, holy, holy. He is the son of God, yes. But then look at verse 15. How beautiful this is. How tender it is. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was tempted at all points. Here's what I love about this. God reveals the preciousness and the tenderness of his son like I would never know. Here he is. Holy, 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 the great son of God robed himself in flesh. And here's what God says about my son. But oh, I want you to know he knows exactly the way you're feeling, Mark. He knows exactly everything you've ever felt as a human being. Because Mark, he's cried just like you've cried. He's hurt just like you've hurt. And he said, I want you to know that he understands your frame. He understands your weaknesses. He's not some old holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. But he's not someone that we can't get close to. See, these people always paint God, I'll tell you right now, you better do right, God's going to strike you dead. Well, that might be true, but I'm going to be honest with you, you ought to do right because he loves you. It bothers me when people always want to motivate by fear. They're always motivating by fear. By the way, parents, can I help you with something? There's a better way. I'll tell you right now, you better not do that. I'll tell you why. Well, let me tell you, here's why, because Jesus loves them. What's Jesus expect from them? See, make your children accountable to someone bigger than you. Oh, you're not going to embarrass me. Do you understand? There's a whole lot more important things than you trying to motivate your child to do something that's just not going to embarrass you. No, Jesus loves them. Jesus has a purpose for them and they ought to be living for the Lord because they're going to stand and give an account to Him. What taught me that? The Bible. Pastor, have you ever tried to motivate by fear? Yeah, but I found out there's a better way. You say, where'd you find it out? Right here. (laughs) Gives me a clear view of Jesus. He loves me. I told someone the other day, can I help every parent in just a second? How many of y'all just yap at your children? You just yap at them. You just, just yell at them. You just tell them, stop doing this, don't do this, don't, can I help you? There's a better way. You know why? Because if that's all you do, then here's what your child's going to do. They're going to get smart. All they got to do is get past you. But see, if you put that thing back on them, can I say this? I love our children enough. I want people to like them. Y'all want people to like your children? Come on now. How many of y'all want people to like your children? Well, the way you raise them and train them is going to help with that. Because their attitudes and the way they speak and talk and deal with people is going to determine whether they're going to have friends or not. So turn it back on them. I told you not to do that. But here, set them down and say, Hey, listen, can I talk to you a minute, honey? Listen, here's why mommy and daddy don't want you doing that. Because number one, the Lord loves you. Number two, the Lord wants more for you there. And he loves you and he'll help you. But at the end of the day, you're hurting yourself, not other people. Let's get back to the Bible in raising our children. I'm afraid what we're doing is we're taking everything the world's got. Oh, that sounds great and that sounds great. But see, when it's contrary to the Bible, the God's word's always right. It works. I feel like I'm on an island this morning. Are y'all okay? You say, Pastor, why do you say that? I told someone this week and I mean it. Y'all know why I'm telling y'all that? Because I love you. And here's another shocker. I love your children. And oh yes, the pastor sees things. He sees things. I'm not stupid. I have concerns, by the way. I have great concerns. I have no greater concerns than my own children. But I'm going to be honest, when you have a love for people, that goes far greater than your own. See, one of the greatest burdens that Laura and I burden is the love for so many other people. And you know what? I think what we all need to do, parents, is let's give them a good view of Jesus. Let's just keep telling them and showing them Jesus. Let's just keep, and where are we going to get that? We're going to get it right here. Here's what we need to teach our our children. Listen, God loves you. And yes, if he has to, He'll chasten you. But honey, the reason He's going to chasten you is because He loves you. But even greater than that, that same God that is Son of God and holy, God has revealed to us that that same Jesus loves you, honey, and He knows exactly how you feel. And you can go to Jesus. Sometimes mommy and daddy won't be there, and sometimes mommy and daddy can't help you. But I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is always there. That goes a long way, parents. Why? Because the Bible gives us a clear view of Jesus. Let me tell you something else as I close what this sword does. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Then look at verse 14, the last phrase. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. The sword gives us a, a God's view The sword will make our spirits alive. We can get spiritual life from this sword. This sword reveals to us the right view of Jesus. And then as I say lastly, it gives us a firmer grip on our faith. Look at verse 14. Let us hold fast our profession. How many of y'all have ever heard me say, just hunker down and hold on? How many of y'all ever heard that? Well, that's P-M-B. That's that's P-A-B translation right there. Patrick Allen Brandon at its best. Tornadoes whipping around, trees being knocked down, telephone poles knocked down. Here's what my dad said, son, just hunker down and hold on. And you know what I've learned in this life? Trees are going to fall, winds are going to blow, storms are going to come, heartbreaks going to come, and I'm going to tell you all right now: this Bible will help you just get a just a thicker grab, hey, just a tighter grab, hey, just keep holding on because one day here after a while, Jesus is coming again. So hold tight, don't let go. What? the Bible. You say, Pastor, but you don't understand what I'm going through. I promise you there's a promise for it. Hold on to the one promise and hold on to your knuckles turn white. It amazes me today how people are so offended. And they they have every reason. Here's what they do. Tell you what, I'm glad I don't have to fool with that no more. I said this to the church the other day. Y'all going through some troubles, you are going through some heartaches, y'all going through some storms, listen to me. Then you have, look here, that ought to drive you here. I hear people say all the time, well, I'll tell you what, I just can't go to church right now, I'm hurting so bad. That's when you need to be here. That's when you need to be here. When you don't feel like coming, look at me. That's when you need to be here. That's when I need to be here. Why? Because I'm going to tell you right now. I got to hold on. Hey, y'all listen to the news lately? I'm holding on. What? Everything in this world is trying to get us to let go. By the way, you know where it's tested? When your children don't do right. When people do break your heart. When things just ain't going right. I'll tell you what, Pastor, I've tried that God thing. It don't work. Oh, no, look at me. He works. He works. But you know what? Sometimes it don't feel like he's working. But see, I'm not trusting my feelings. I'm holding on, boy. Y'all know why? Because I know he's right even when I don't feel like it. You know what this word will do? Give you a firmer grip. Firmer grip. How much does it take you to let go? Y'all know I love hymn histories. P.P. P. Bliss was a hero. P.P. P. Bliss, one of my favorite hymn writers. But then when I found out about him, I said, man, I knew I liked him for some reason. Y'all know he was on his way to go help Moody. He was going there with his little pump horn to go help. He was going to do the music, and he was on a train in Ashtabula, Ohio. You know what happened? That train derailed and fell over the bridge. And here's what's amazing about P.P. Bliss. He got out. He got out of the train. But when he turned around, his wife wasn't with him. You know what P.P. Bliss did? He went back in there. She was trapped. She begged him to leave. Because she knew if he stayed there, she couldn't get loose. And he frantically tried to get her loose. She begged him to leave. And you know what he did? He gripped onto her hand and he held onto her to the very end and he died with his wife. You say, what did it? I'm going to tell you what did it. His love did it. So my question, when people are so quick, to be fair, we have to question one thing. How much do you love him anyway? I believe every dad in here ought to be helping and themselves and let me just say this to get look here we ought to find more reasons to get in this service than to get out of them We need to be finding more reasons to get our children up underneath the sound of God's word than anything else why because we love the one who gave it to us Hey this book will give us a firmer grip By the way, sometimes (laughs) it's all you got, but I've learned this, he's all you need. Let's stand to our feet. Oh, yes, this is a sword. Brother Don, we got that, we got that. Brother Chris, we got that hymn up here. We got that chorus, don't we? We got that chorus? Let's sing it. Hey, we're going to give the invitation. You sing if you want, but if you feel like you need to come to the altar, you come. This is the way we're going to give the invitation. How many of you men want to be real men that's got a firm grip on Jesus? It don't just happen. Let's ask God to help us. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, come, we'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Boy, they give eternal life. Let's sing this song. Y'all know it? God's Word is like a hammer. Let's win. Bible amen let's love the Bible let's read the Bible meditate upon the Bible thank God eat the Bible drink it take it I said this last week now y'all know what I meant we need to start stabbing people with it (laughs) look here I'm going to tell you all right now. they don't need to hear our opinions and we're so quick to give them our opinions how about we give them what the Bible says everybody's got an opinion I got one but you know what really in the light of things it really don't matter Let's give them the word of God. Amen. It cuts deep. Let's ask God to help us. By the way, we have little smaller weapons of truth. They're called tracks. And y'all can carry them concealed. So why don't, before y'all leave this morning, why don't y'all walk by our track racks and how about we conceal some weapons of truth. And then when y'all go to the restaurant today, please be kind to the waitress. Please. Please. Please be kind, especially if you're going to lay a track down that says our name on it and do this, tip them well. They don't need to think you're a cheapskate and see what might happen. They'll pick up that track and say, man, I'm going to tell you right now, they were different than most Christians because you know what? I've talked to them. You know what most people say in a a restaurant on Sundays? They hate Sundays. And I asked them, I said, why is that? Because Christians are the most hateful people we serve. And here's what else he said. And they tip the least. God help us. I feel conviction already. How many of y'all going out to eat this afternoon? <laughs> Nobody's raising their hand. <laughs> How many of you going home? All right, Stone. Get you some concealed weapon, all right? Put it in your pocket when the, and, and hand your tracks out. That's little, little, hey, That's concealable tr- weapons of truth. Amen. Y'all with me? Y'all ready to go home? Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Help us now, Lord, to take your truth first, plant it in our lives, apply to our hearts. But then, Lord, help us to help others with it. Well, thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight, six o'clock. Sign up for the marriage retreat.